Hello everyone and welcome to the first ever episode of the Overcast Gamer Podcast. Um, yeah, you're joined by me, my name's Abe Foster, I'm also joined by... Me, my name is Regan Harper, uh, welcome welcome to the show everyone, good, good to have you here. Yeah, and uh, me, Balthazar Valentine, um, and yeah, it's great to, uh, great to finally get some of this stuff now down. Yeah, get yeah, it done, yeah. get it out. Yep, absolutely. Got some cool stuff to be talking about today. We do Tell indeed. us all about it. We have a great schedule lined up. Um, we're going to be going over some games that we've been playing, and there's also a uh, anecdote in there, which I think everyone will enjoy. Um, I haven't heard it yet, and Regan hasn't heard it yet, so I think um, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be going to be yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. We've then got some news. We're going to be talking about VR and the Oculus Rift's outrageous price point. Um, so that should be a good bit, good bit of a yarn. And then just some um, miscellaneous shit. So um, I think we'll best just get into it, really. Absolutely. So yeah. who's uh, who wants to kick things off? Been uh, uh, recent games. Yeah, recent games. I am a year behind the eight ball on this one, um, but I've been playing The Witcher again. Um, obviously, at the end of last year, everyone started getting into their game of year discussions and all that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and I am poor. And so, as a result of that, I decided to pick up Witcher Three again. Totally addicted to it all over again. Um, the first time I played through it, I'm not sure how you guys played it the first time, but it was all about uh, I just thrashed through the main storyline. Right. Got it done. Was keen to see what happened at the end of it. Yep. Got through the story, which was great, but then sort of didn't really get an impression for how massive the game was. And then throughout the discussions for Game of the Year, and was talking about how it was like impossible to finish the game. There's just so much content, so I figured I'd go back and give that another shot. And just, yeah, that's me. That's I'm, I'm just totally into it again. It's, it's almost like it's been re-released and I'm just, just going for it. Awesome. So you're, are you sort of jumping around and doing some of the side missions and things? Yeah, yeah. So Digging a bit the, deeper. Yeah, absolutely. The approach is sort of more before I'm ever going into any of the main storyline quests. So let's say, for example, you get into um, into sort of the crow's perch where, uh, where the bloody baron hangs out. Yep. I'm assuming we can just talk freely about the yeah, Witcher now. It's been a year. Yeah, yeah, it's been a year. If you're if you're worried about get, you know giving the points of these games away, fuck off. All right, <laughs> just relax. Um, so you get into where the Bloody Baron is, and so rather than just diving in and, and thrashing through that and and um, figuring out that part of the story, doing all of all of the sort of um, side quests on on the notice boards and all that kind of stuff as I go. Um, and obviously some of them are harder as, so you're not going to be able to do them at level 10 or whatever you are at the time. Right. Um, but just, yeah, spending a lot more time doing all the side quests and things that, the beauty of that game and what still gets me is the way that, sure, there's a list of quests, but it's the way that you do the quests and then it doesn't feel like you've just gone from A to B. There's always something else that pick, that you pick up along the way yep. and, it, and, and it feels like much more of just this sort of like dynamic world that you're within. I think that's one of the sort of the key points that Witcher just nailed. Right. Um, you're not going through the motions. You're actually investing exactly. in what you're doing. Yeah. And there is nuance to, to the activity that you... Know, that yeah, you're exactly. You're not just... You're not running mm-hmm. off to find a piece of law that you don't really care about and bringing it back to someone you know you're you're tracking someone down so that they can find out about this you know particular piece of the puzzle that happened and then it informs these kind of things you know it's just it's just a lot more thought out and fleshed out than you might find in a lot of other games which is awesome mm-hmm. um so you've sunk what like 20 hours into it again now or? yeah probably yeah, about probably 20. about that again mm-hmm. yeah which is which is great just sort of got into novigrade um going through that sort of part of the story again 
um, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's nothing too exciting. It's the same sort of stuff that people were talking about this time last year. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it's good. Um, my thing for this year anyway is going to be, because I'm going traveling halfway through the year, I've sort of set myself a precedent of only really buying new games if I can get them for kind of less, less than 40 bucks, Ooh. which is real, that's real. A, that's a steep In New steep Zealand, if, you're, yeah, in New if Zealand. you're not in New Zealand, you will yeah, know right. that that is a big deal. So I'm probably going to be playing a lot of old games, um, which is fine. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of old games that are, that are awesome that I haven't played, so um, it's going to be good. I'll just briefly touch on my relationship with The Witcher 3. Um, over probably the last two or three years, I've come to the realisation that I get overwhelmed incredibly easily. Um, <laughs> hence when, when I coined the, the phrase open world fatigue. Yep. Um, and the, so in The Witcher 3, it, it was my game of the year for last year, um, without a doubt. I just think there's, there's so much detail and so much love poured into that game. How could you not acknowledge that? Um, but I did get up to Novigrad, but I'm the sort of person who... I'm quite obsessive compulsive, so there's question marks on my map. I want to try and eliminate all the question marks, and it got to the point where I realised that was nigh on impossible. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I was like, I'm never, I'm never going to get anywhere in this game if I just don't go straight for the for the main thing. So you know, I was still in the in, in Valen in the in the sort of er, er, the first area out of White White Orchard, mm-hmm. and I just thought I'm, I'm never going to get anywhere. So I finished the Bloody Baron questline, and I made a beeline straight for Novigrad. And, that, and that's when I got there and then I think um, Until Dawn or, or something else came around and that's when I stopped playing it but yeah I, I absolutely love The Witcher 3 and I'm definitely going to delve back into it mm. Pr- maybe even will be my next game that I'll jump into I reckon because I haven't played anything since you know since the new year since the Christmas break kind of thing mm. um, apart from little bits of Star Wars Battlefront which we can talk about as well but yeah I absolutely adore The Witcher 3 and I'm not a huge RPG person so i think that's a that's a testament to that game as absolutely well. it goes a long way for yeah standing standing up for what what's good in it yeah for sure um next on the agenda so um someone wanted to talk about pokemon go yeah that was me mm-hmm. actually pokemon go you guys heard much about it you know well, i've heard of its existence I, I, yeah i'm, pretty, I'm on the similar similar page oh yeah. man it looks great okay so <laughs> if you've not looked into it um it's essentially it's gonna be a mobile game um, which is interesting in itself, sort of Nintendo and the Pokemon company going down that route, which mm-hmm. is which is pretty cool. Um, all sorts of cool things about it that excite me um, from the developer, so Niantic are making it, who um, they have made a game in the past called Ingress, um, which is this like horrendously addictive uh, sort of almost like a it's almost like um, a geotagging kind of game where you run around in the real world. And it uses your phone's GPS, and you can go to certain places and capture, uh, you know, points on the map and that kind of thing. And you work as teams to capture X field on the map and all okay. that kind of stuff. So it's really cool. It's um, you know, it's using the cell phone's kind of inbuilt GPS to yep. as as the kind of core mechanic of the game. So their speciality is augmented reality gaming. Essentially. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, they they actually started as a as a sort of a sh- offshoot from Google. So they I guess I'm assuming they've used sort of Google's maps and all that kind of work that's done there as a platform. Right. But that's really cool. That game was really good. So I think they'll be awesome as a choice for the developers for the for mm-hmm. Pokemon Go. Um, essentially. To sum it up, uh, it's going to be Pokemon in the real world. You 
walk around, you go for a walk to um, specific spots and you capture Pokemon using your phone. And so it will be an augmented reality thing from what I can tell. Yep. So if you're in that area where that Pokemon is, you, you can hold up your, your phone and it'll use its camera and it'll show you where that Pokemon is and you've got to capture it. Um, and there's all the kind of things that you would expect from a game of Pokemon. You can battle your friends, you can, uh, you know, you can, you can train them up, you can go to a gym. I'm assuming there's going to be like Pokemon League kind of stuff, which sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> um, it just, it sounds, yeah, it's going to be the original 150 Pokemon. So if you're sort of like me, but older and you just remember kind of growing up with Pokemon yeah. and, and that kind of thing, you, yeah. you're going to know all the Pokemon. It's none of these crazy new ones that are just... Set of car keys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Ice cream. laughs> yeah. Two scoop evolve into three scoop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. This is what I'm talking about. So yeah, so that's really cool. And, and it just the idea of... I think it's a really cool sort of space for games and, and, and something that hasn't really been looked into much before now. And it's like, you know, phones are just one of these enabling technologies to make so many things possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just seems like a really cool step for Pokemon to be making away from, you know, having to have a piece of Nintendo hardware, which not everyone is willing to go out and buy just to play Pokemon. Yeah. Um, suddenly you can play it on your cell phone. I'm pretty sure it's going to be free. There's, I guess you're going to have to buy Pokeballs and that kind of right, stuff. Right, right, right. Um, it just sounds great. And getting out in the real world and doing you know things with my legs, walking <laughs> about and stuff. So this is going to be essentially the stand-in for the open-world Pokemon RPG that's never going to happen, right? From from Game Freak and from Nintendo. That they're never yeah, going to make the business. Like, yeah. No, they don't want anyone to pay for their product. No, not at all. No. I but, think, uh, yeah, with Pokemon Go, I'm excited for it, but at the same time, I want it and don't want it to be handled a certain way. It's the same way for both. I, I hope that they really tap into the geographical nature of what, you know, the proposed game will be. In that you can't just catch all 150 Pokemon in every country, no, no matter so where you live. You do have to go. Absolutely. You know, if you're on holiday, you've got to remember to get your phone out and see what yeah, Pokemon sounds are available amazing. in that country. Yes. But then at the same time, I'm worried if they do that about the fact that New Zealand's a tiny little middle of nowhere country, and they're like, "Oh, we'll just give them Mankey." Yeah, so <laughs> Mankey and Bellsprout, and that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe a few Pidgey and Mashita. And okay, maybe we'll be you know for a while when the game first comes out, we'll be fucking Pokemon Go sensations, and everyone will be like, "God, I need a Mankey," and there's only this one remote. <laughs> country that has it and so we can sell be our great mankeys. for tourism right? yeah and we yeah. can trade mankeys for useful pokemon we're going to but... travel to waiheke island and get venusaur and you know there's only there's only certain um yeah and then it's so it's like i really hope they do tap into that <clears throat> and make it so that you know that even even with events i mean you think about legendary pokemon how rare they're supposed to be mm. there should not be anywhere in the world that has legendary pokemon it should be more like you know there's an event on so they host an event mm. they're like on this weekend tokyo's got Mewtwo in it yeah I, I think <laughs> I've read an article between um, I can't remember what the game website was and and the, the guys at Niantic who are developing it um, and they addressed those points they were you know because that was my concern as well was like is it just is it just going to be randomly generated but you know, because they've got a bunch of sort of geo kind of information from Google that kind of thing it's definitely going to be a case of you know, you have to go to a rocky area to find rock Pokemon. You have to go mm. to the beach to find water Pokemon. And there was a quote along the lines of, you know, you can't get all 150 in your local area. If you wanted to catch, I think the quote was something like, if you want to catch all 150, you're either going to have to go nuts on trading with people 
or you're gonna have to take a year off work and travel the globe. That, that like that, that excites awesome. me a lot. Yeah, yeah. that is so yeah. cool. Right, That's exactly what I want. So it sounds like the you know you. You don't want to be able to recover Pokemon Master in a couple of days from just wandering around your backyard. So that sounds pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then I thought to myself, man, I really hope that this game's out by the time I go traveling to Europe so that I can catch some, yeah, some French-speaking yeah. Pokemon. And <laughs> so it's going to be awesome. I think it has the potential to be amazing, um, especially when you think about the audience that it could open up to as well, because... You think about countries and, and areas of the world where Nintendo don't really ship their stuff. So, mm. uh, you know, places like India, I don't think there's a massive kind of um, uptake of, of Nintendo. No, and, and no, places not. like that. But everyone has a phone. Mm. So, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. That actually got me a lot more excited. I mean, I saw that trailer that you sent through. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that looked incredible. But it's one of those things of they, really, they, put, they pour all their money into the promotional materials and then some pixel art bullshit mm, and yeah. and you know it's nothing like it was originally promised but yep. if, if it has that traveling thing and you know just um nintendo you you know partnership with the airlines maybe and um you know <laughs> oh my god that's yeah, genius. i'm just uh, doing the marketing for them now mm. um but yeah no um that sounds amazing you can release it you know you pay i don't know what the what the package would be you pay a package fee and it just you know it's flights to major areas where yes. you can catch rare or there's, there's actual those Pokemon planes that you see on the internet every now and then those yeah. become an actual airline yeah. and, you can, and you can get on and you're with a whole bunch of other people and and I, I better stop talking about this because it's going to go on for hours yeah anyway um, <laughs> yeah so I I have been playing um, a wee bit of Star Wars Battlefront uh, probably about not a huge amount probably mm -hmm. about because I've been watching my flatmates play it on Xbox mm -hmm. um, they've both got Xbox One so I've just been watching them and playing a little bit as well so probably about four hours watching and, and playing um mm -hmm. Combined kind of thing, um, yeah, it's good. It's it's good. It's fun, um, but it's it's not a great game by any standard. It's a good game. It's mm -hmm. not a great game. Um, mm -hmm. I, I sort of I see it as a the equivalent, the gaming equivalent of airline food, right? It's a single serving game. It has one purpose. Oh, absolutely. It, it, you know, it fulfills that purpose, and yeah. you chuck it away, and then you pick it up again every now and then. Yeah, and you chuck it away. That's 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 what I see it as. And it seems to do that quite well, um, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't give it anything higher than like a six point five seven out of ten. That's that's not, it, it's very bare bones. Yeah. After your your sort of commentary on it last time, we had a chat. What are you what do you what are your feelings about it now? You probably um, haven't even touched it. I I played some yesterday. Played some a couple of days before that as well. Um, I mean, I I still I still love it as a game for serving the purpose I wanted it to serve, which mm -hmm. was simply I want to be in Star Wars. And have it look like I'm in Star Wars, yeah. and it still feels that. Like yeah. I don't yeah. think it really matters how much time has passed. This, you know, whatever they've used to create the imagery and have the game look how it does, you're always going to feel like you're in Star Wars when you play that game. Mm -hmm. And I think, like Abe said, that that's really it. Like it being a single serving game for me, that was the purpose I wanted it to fill. That's the purpose it fills. So anytime I want that feeling, I will pick up that game and, yeah. and play a couple of rounds and then I'll play something with substance yeah. so it's I, st I still enjoy it when I play it because I play it when I'm in that state of mind and when that's what I want I just want Star Wars and to be there yeah. I'll put in Battlefront and I'll play a few rounds and then I'll yeah, mm -hmm. move on Yeah, but yeah. I still think it's definitely the best game out there to fill that desire yeah yeah, it's Even the best Star Wars game for a long time I mean can you guys think of a better Star Wars game? Uh, Rogue Squadron was pretty good. Rogue I Squadron was great. Actually, um, 
as much as the original was terrible and it wasn't really terrible it was just that it failed both the storytelling element and the online element originally until they patched the crap out of it but the old republic oh, yeah. where, i mean that just had an expansion drop last year so you could technically count that as a new star wars game right and that expansion is not only back to quality star wars storytelling in a game it's back to i don't know the last time bioware made a game like that like they seem to pretty much drop the online elements of it and just be like hey we know we failed hard as an mmo so we're just going to focus on the story and go back and pretty much they made it knights of the old republic 3 right, um, right so i'd say that yeah with that coming out we are actually starting to potentially see an incline in quality star wars yep. games again um, I mean, obviously, Battlefront doesn't really back up the quality Star Wars games since it only serves one purpose. But because it serves that one purpose so well, it definitely seems like developers mm-hmm. are starting to understand, you know, the different aspects of what people want. And hopefully one day someone will just make one that fills the Battlefront and the KOTOR aspects in one of looking and feeling like you're there and right. delivering a quality, substantial, you know, experience mm-hmm. as well that you walk away with fond memories of. We also have the, I just remembered the um, Star Wars game coming out from the developers of Dead Space. Is that the Resurrected 1313? Yes, the yeah. one with Amy Hennig from Naughty Dog, who's now writing it. After she left um, Naughty Dog, she went on to work with Visceral. That's who's writing it. Visceral with the developers. Um, and that one, you know, that looks. Star Wars 13, 13 looked amazing. Yeah. So if it's anything like that looked, it essentially looked like Uncharted. And, and I've also Wars. heard talk of an old game being resurrected, <laughs> one that was never finished. Um, I, I'm afraid I can't remember what it was called, but there was going to be a game, I think just on the classic Wii when it came out, they were going to make a trilogy for it where you played as Darth Maul. I saw it was his backstory and yep. stuff. Yep. Apparently that's been, well, there's talk, it's been resurrected as a launch title for the NX. Ooh, um, okay. So that interested me when they were talking about it originally i was quite excited for it back on the wii um despite never owning a wii because it sounded cool and i wanted a cool star wars game to come out whether yep. or not i could play it yep. um but if they resurrect that for the nx that would be really cool that's mm-hmm. yeah that, that's going to have a solid lineup if they have that and they have um you know zelda wii u or whatever yeah um zelda nx whatever it comes out as whenever they get zelda it game out. Oh, man. I'd be buying that console just for that. (laughs) Having said only earlier that I wouldn't buy Nintendo for a Pokemon game, you know, I'd... Yeah, something big and open world for Zelda would be... I'm pretty sure it's been confirmed as a Wii U title this year. Um, You can... Oh, no, you can't put it to that. They're remaking Twilight Princess that you can put it on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they have confirmed that the Zelda project is a Mm -hmm. Wii U title that will launch late this year, I think. Not an NX title. Well played. It is odd when companies do that. It's like you've got a choice to make. You can either release it as an end of line for your existing console to try and ship units for that, or you can release it as a launch title for a new console to try and ship units from the word go. So whichever they choose, I mean, as I said at the moment, it seems like they've confirmed it's going to be Wii U. Mm -hmm. But if they do change that to NX, whichever they choose, it's going to be interesting to see what impact that has on the system in question. Right. Just out of interest, what what are your guys' favourite Nintendo franchises? Like, if you had to pick one. I love Metroid. Um, if I had to pick one, one, I wouldn't pick Metroid. I started <laughs> saying I love Metroid before you got to that if you had to pick one part. Um, it's, a, it's a tough one. With Nintendo, it's, a, it's definitely a tough one because everything first party that they launch is typically such high quality. Yep. Um, I'll just say mine is um, Donkey Kong. 
by far is yeah. Donkey Kong. I, yeah. I have such an affinity towards the Super Nintendo. It's still probably my favorite console of all time. Mm. Um, and Donkey Kong Country. Anytime a new Donkey Kong comes out, I, I have to play it. I'm still tr- yeah. trying to play um, Tropical Freeze. I don't actually own a Wii, so that's quite tricky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how's but, that going for uh, you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough. It's okay. tough. Um, I would say, yeah, probably Zelda. Um, not that I've played it a lot, but I've probably played more Pokemon than Zelda, but... I remember I just have distinct. It's one of those games that has a defining memory associated with it yep. from when yeah. you're from when you're younger, yep. which is which is cool. And was and that Majora's Mask or? Um, I, I actually even can't even remember Ocarina which one it was. It was I definitely played some Ocarina of Time, but I'm thinking even earlier, like the, the Oracles games, like Oracle Ages. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The earlier ones. Um, those were really fun. Run around, swinging a little sort of like just pixel art sword at things picking yep. up hearts and just sort of exploring the, the the puzzles and things great fun and i don't even know how old it was but yeah d- definitely sort of memories of sitting down and having a good time with those so probably yeah probably zelda which is why hearing the potential of like an open world zelda game just yeah, yeah. that sounds amazing yeah, it does that sounds fantastic i think with the spreading out that zelda's been doing recently as well i mean they've done yeah if they move you know moving into an open world rpg that's kind of a new place for Zelda games to go so that's mm. cool last year we had Hyrule Warriors which was like a Dynasty Warriors style game in the Zelda universe yeah. um, so it's like they're, they're taking that IP and they're releasing games different to the core genre associated with that IP but if they continue to spread it out in that way I definitely think you could say you could play Zelda games as your one Nintendo IP and still be able to experience you know a vast good breadth of yeah genres. they also yeah. had Triforce Heroes games. Um, yeah. come out as well yeah that's true um, that looked quite cool yeah, for me, it's potentially Zelda as well. Um, yeah, it's the same thing. It's just the, the childhood thing. Like, when you think back to it and you just remember, like, it was Zelda games that I lost the most time to, really, mm-hmm. just just getting stuck in in those games and really being lost in the world. I mean, yeah. that's what Nintendo does, world building. That's what they do pretty much arguably better than any other of the at least platforms out there, more than, you know, Sony and Microsoft as Nintendo really invest in defining every aspect of the world they create with yeah. first party titles um, yeah. and I think Zelda is one of the more expansive worlds they have so their like, game does design philosophy is fascinating Nintendo like if you if you read um, read in, uh, interviews and stuff with the the head guy who made um, Super Mario World 3D World and, and stuff like that just how they design those games they he talks about introducing a mechanic for one level and throwing that mechanic away mm. and, and it takes so you know it takes weeks months for them to come up with these mechanics and they and they implement them for one section and then they they toss them away and you never see them again it's like they yeah they were insane I, amount i've of still not finished 3d world um for mario but certainly i can see that there are a lot of levels that had really cool things to them that you never saw again yeah like there was yeah. this one level where the whole point it was kind of like a you know like electric avenue type thing where you're going down and it would the, the music would be playing and to the to the beat of the track the tiles would be changing yeah, color and yeah. if you stepped on the wrong color the platform would fall so basically you had to not only work your way down the path but you had to pick the steps you took along the path predicting which color the platform was about to change to to the beat of the music like it was That's and, a, yeah. and that was in one level only and it was a really cool it's an incre- I, I love that game I finished that um, I used to love someone who owned a Wii U and I finished that whole game in about a day or two maybe, yeah. because I just absolutely adored it it was fantastic um, but yeah, no, we're, I think we've um, we've digressed slightly from um, <laughs> from Battlefront. From battlefront. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think uh, you have a story for us 
now. Do, yeah. Funnily enough, actually, it made a good segue if we hadn't brought up how we diverged so much. Um, <laughs> it is to do with a Wii U game that uh-huh. I've been playing. Um, so, as you guys know, I've been lost a bit in Xenoblade Chronicles X. It yep. almost took my spot for Game of the Year last year until I realised that actually what I meant was it's taken over Witcher 3 for RPG of the Year, but Witcher 3 can still claim Game of the Year. Okay. Because while Xenoblade X is a better RPG, which is a better game as a whole. Right, so, yeah. right. um, but anyway, so yes, the as you can see from the Dark Nemen stories, essentially how I... Well, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, how my 26 hours of work turned into a fun-filled five-minute romp that ended in speechlessness. (laughs) So, effectively, a big mechanic advertised for Chronicles X over the original was the existence of scales, or they were called dolls in the Japanese version, which I immensely prefer being able to, you know, customise and dress up your dolls rather than your scales, (laughs) but whatever. That sounds Um, bizarre. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so pretty much you have to play a long time before you can even take your scale exam and then your scale exam itself is broken into eight parts which range from two minutes well instant handing because you already finished it just playing up to that point to hours because you need to pick up a specific material that only spawns in one area at one time a day if the weather is correct at that time of day (laughs) and it's just crazy Um, but yeah so after a few hours I managed to knock out all eight parts complete my exam and get my scale on my save file was at about 26 hours right. uh, by that point because I'd done a lot of side quests and, and stuff um, so I was like okay this is awesome I can hop out and explore the world like I can jump high now I can move faster I'm stronger I can take on things like 20 levels higher than me and so this this skill is like a is a big a Gundam pretty much thing, yeah right? it's a massive mech suit robot it, it really it, it's cool how it alters your perceptive of the scale of the world um, your perception of the scale because when you hop in it um, yeah everything just feels so much smaller which is really cool that they managed to get you you go from playing for you know 20 plus hours of everything being massive and seeming so huge and then you hop in this this robot and all of a sudden everything's your size and it feels like a typical RPG that you play on any other console because people don't really play with scale too much in modern right. games um, but so that's really cool and so I was running around and I uh, I was trying to plant um what are they called? Core mechanic of the game, and I can't remember what it's called. Pretty much you plant like kind of mineral extractor probes um, in areas to to reveal more of the map and stuff like that. Um, and to unlock the next story quest, I needed a, a 25% completion rate in one of the maps. So I head over there and I start exploring, um, and, and I had this scale for maybe five minutes um, after all this work to get it, and it's having so much fun. I was like, oh, this is so cool. I was just engaging little enemies that were like level two and just stepping on them, and they were popping, and it was awesome. Um, and then I, I see a, a, a mineral deposit point to plant a probe so I jump down to it and as I land because this is the Wii U while the world is massive and the loading screens are tiny it it has popping because it's the Wii U technologically it's behind so I land and as I land 20 plus enemies more than 20 levels higher than me will pop in exactly (laughs) where I landed and I'm like oh this is not going to end well for me and I die instantly Um, they all attack me at once and I die um, and the first thing I noticed when I die is I still had full health and then I died a second time but it all happened too quickly for me to really know what, what happened I was just like alright that was weird maybe that's some scale thing you, you get a free repair kit or something weird yeah. um, and then next thing I noticed is I respawn and I'm not in my scale I'm just my dude and then I realised what happened is my scale died and ejected me and then I died and now I don't have my scale <laughs> 
Oh. And so I head back to town and I'm like, this, maybe it will just teleport onto me. You know, maybe it'll be, it did not teleport yeah. onto me. I kind of lost that. It was, so I, it was that 20 hours. That was 26 hours. hours. What's going on? So then I go to the <laughs> shop that sells scales and I'm like, maybe, maybe they do, you know, maybe they just die. Um, you know, whatever. I go to the shop, realize I've got nowhere near enough money to buy a new scale. So I'm like, what's going on? Turns out you get insurance with your first scale. So that's all right. I got it back. I then blew it up later on and I got it back again, but now all my insurance is gone, so I've got to be careful. But what this, I, what this game did that really stunned me as to how effectively it did it was I was, when I realized what had happened, understandably, I put my controller down and I just sat there for a moment <laughs> and I thought, what am I doing with my life? I've just spent 26 hours working towards something I lost in five minutes and <laughs> don't know what's going on. I went to the internet to find out what was going on and they knew. They were like, ah, another dickhead who, yeah, who <laughs> thought he was invincible you've got insurance go unassign it reassign it to yourself and then it will appear in your hangar so i did it and i was like okay cool um but i think what this game did so well is that it, it predicted people were going to do that and it gave them a fail safe built into the game but didn't tell them how to use that fail safe so that everyone would have the same experience as me it's gone and then the realization <laughs> that okay i've got it back but they're a finite resource. Yeah. And if I lose it, I'm going to need a crap load of currency to get it back. Yeah. Um, so when I realized that, I started playing with it differently. And I didn't just stay in my scale and run around. I, you know, If I saw small enemies that I could take out on foot, I'd hop out and I'd fight them and then I'd hop back in. Yeah. And, and it made combat so much cooler, fighting you know, like five little guys. Because the other thing is the scales can really only do one-on-one -on -one large-scale combat. If you're surrounded by a group of little enemies, you'll, you'll one-shot them, but it'll take you forever because there's so many. Whereas if you hop out and you do your AOE attacks and as far as you can kill them much quicker. Right. Um, so something the game does really well is by teaching you quite quickly after getting your scale that if it dies, you're screwed. You, you need to figure out how to get it back. It encourages you to not always stay in your scale and still maintain playing the game the way you had those first 26 hours up to that point. Um, it encourages you to experiment with the combat, experiment with the exploration, not always stay in your scale. And I think the fact that I didn't immediately rage quit and never touch the game again to find out what had happened, right. the fact that even though I'd lost that, I was compelled to keep going, is nothing but credit to that game, really. The, I, the fact that even if I had not had that insurance and had not been able to get it back straight away, I would have kept playing. And yeah, sure, as soon as I had enough money, I would have bought a new scale. But I would have just kept playing and kept going. Even though up to that point, my goal had been, let's get a scale as soon as I can. Mm -hmm. As soon as I had that scale, and I knew that even if I didn't get it back, if I had to buy a new one, I was like, cool, now I'm just going to get on with the story and do all these other things I can do in the world. It sounds to me like it did a good job of making you realize that it was your fault. Yeah, like, yeah, totally like was. You're not saying to yourself, oh man, this game sucks because that game did this to me. I could, I, though that, arguably yeah. I could say the pop-in is shit <laughs> because that was what killed me. The yeah, pop-in yeah, was yeah. what killed That's me. That's pretty rough. So, but at the same time, yeah, no, I hear you saying, like, at the same time, I was like, well, you know, I, sh I shouldn't have just jumped down a, a cliff that I really knew I wouldn't be able to see the enemies at the bottom of until I got there because there could have been strong enemies. And I mean, that's something that Xenoblade, the original Chronicles did as well, that this one does, which is the world is just littered with enemies higher level than you, as well as the same level as you and lower. It's, it's a true open world RPG. It doesn't try to indicate where you should go based on level of enemies, because every map will have enemies of your level, lower level, and much higher, all littered amongst each other. And it's yeah. up to you to pick your fights carefully and choose the route you want to take. Like, it actually gives you that open world experience of the whole, it's, it's a planet 
why would all the strong enemies migrate to one area yeah, of this yeah, entire yeah. planet? They wouldn't. They'd be littered throughout it, and the game does that. It's just like, you're here. You choose where you want to go. You choose what you want to do. Mm. You may have a story objective at level 10 that's blocked off by level 50. It's your job to figure out how to get around that level 50 because he lives there. He's not going to budge out your way. Yeah. Like, you've got to figure out how to get there. And I, it's just, it does so many things. Uh, as, as I said, I give it my RPG of the Year award, even though Witcher 3 gets Game of the Year because it is the pinnacle of, to me, what an RPG should be, what an open world RPG should do. And that is let you explore the world and do what you want and go wherever you want. And and it does have that Souls feeling of if you die, it's your fault. You You screwed up. But you learn from that death and that mistake right, and you, right, right. you improve your strategy or, or, or your tactical, just your exploration methods or whatever from that. Um, and it's it's a teaching game. And I mean, that's what I think Japanese games do a lot better than than Western games is they do, they don't hold your hand and they get you to learn from your experiences rather than from a bloody two-hour tutorial yeah, at the start yeah, yeah. or whatever that you forget 10 hours in anyway i mean if anyone's tried to play a tutorial in a japanese game i'm looking at blaze blue you forget the second you stop they overload you with so much information that <laughs> there's just no point ever playing a tutorial for a japanese <laughs> game just get in there and figure it out um but yeah no it's it was it was crazy how i was just yeah, I like. I'm still speechless about the experience now. I can't even accurately <laughs> convey the emotion I felt when it happened. It was really just a well. I guess I'll get stuck in with another objective yeah. and move on. And <laughs> go to Google later and figure out what I can do about my scale that I lost straight away. <laughs> Sounds like it was a good experience. Yeah. Does it make you? Does it feel like? Do you feel like you want to have a look into that game at some stage? I definitely want to check it out because I, I I don't really have a I don't have an image in my head even of what this. If, what this game could look like or, or, or be like I, I've got I kind of got this melding of all these different things like I've got this envision of Super Mario Galaxies and when you see there's like planets I'm like oh, yep. so like you know I, I imagine the planets like running around a planet and it, and it rotates which is completely wrong it is, but, <laughs> it, is um, it is just the one planet that you're on in the right. game um, so it mentions other planets and aliens from other planets there but you only explore the one I mean I guess the closest thing it's no, I don't really have anything, to be honest. Yeah, and then I've got, like, the power... Like, you're talking about the scales. I've got the power armor from Fallout 4. That's yeah. what, you know, that's the analog to that. And then... Mm. So it's this fusion of all these things, and it's this bizarre gumbo that I'm not entirely <laughs> sure how to process in my head yet. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, maybe it's cel-shaded in my head. I sort of... I'm not too sure. It's, it is typical Nintendo cartoony, kind of... They know they can't render realistic graphics. But yeah. go with the still yeah. very passable and good-looking yeah. kind of cartoony... Nintendo. So, so essentially, it's a fusion of The Witcher Three, Fallout Four, um, Zone of Enders, Armored Core, and <laughs> I don't know, Animal Crossing or something. <laughs> Some bizarre mix of there things. Is a, yeah, there, I mean, there is the whole management system of kind of yeah I guess animal there are animal, animal crossing, crossing elements <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to look up some sort of video <laughs> remove the mystique of what the hell this, this game is um, but or no, you know you can head to EV after this and they've got a bundle Wii U and Xenoblade oh god no. told Jace about it and he's like don't tell me about that <laughs> I think I think I do I think I really would enjoy a Wii U I think I'm, I'm very I'm, I've been thinking about this for a while because I kind of miss having games that are just, it's just a fun platformer or something. Two like, of my like, Game of the Year game, like, nominate, like, 
games I would give awards to for categories from last year are Wii U exclusives. Yeah. Uh, my RPG of the year, obviously, being Xenoblade Chronicles X, and my multiplayer shooter of the year going Splatoon, hands yeah. down. Um, they just, they innovate on Nintendo, you know? Yeah, they take yeah. they take genres that you expect to handle a different way, and then they just add their own twist to it. Like, for example, with Splatoon, they go, hey, you play online shooters, and it's all about KD. This is not even slightly about KD. You know, you can finish with zero kills, five deaths and still win the game for your team and have the highest score because it's all about territory control and map control like they and and i think it's probably still to date the only game that has so much match to one button that (laughs) that works your reload your sprint and i guess your kind of hide are all mapped to one button which is your become a squid in the ink when you're traveling through your ink it reloads your gun you're traveling faster and you're low on the ground, so you kind of dodge getting shot. So like yeah. they map three things to one button and it works perfectly. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, I don't know how they continue to innovate so successfully, but Nintendo need to pick up some decent hardware so that they can actually yeah. compete. Yeah. Because yeah. they have the ideas. They just are stuck in the early fucking 21st century with their technology and they're refusing to update. And yeah, it's, it's... it's so frustrating to watch them lose by default purely because they can't compete when they do have such amazing ideas. Mm. I think I like the idea of, of having really simple, easy to understand mechanics, but just they're really interesting at the same time. So mm. I'm thinking like, like one of the best games I've played in the last five years is Donkey Kong Country Returns on the on the Wii. Mm. I absolutely love that game. I smashed that out in probably less than a day. Um, and then when the uh, Abe's Odyssey and Abe's Exodus games um, came back to PlayStation Four, um, yeah, the, the re- reworked version of those. Um, granted, they weren't quite as good as, as the originals. There was some some um, difficulty with the input lag and, and things like that on PlayStation Four versions. But man, I had a good time playing those again. They're just simple platformers. Yeah, they with were great. Incredible worlds, amazing mechanics. You can do so much with just that slate kind of thing. You can possess I, your own farts. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, I really miss. I, I'm thinking more and more about buying a Wii U because I, I think I'd really enjoy because I, I love, I love all Nintendo's franchises. I love that simplicity. They have that fun that they have yeah. with their games. And the full, you can't look past the 100% backwards compatibility with Wii games as well. That, yeah. That for whatever reason, PlayStation and, and Xbox are just failing to deliver on their platforms. I mean, yeah. That's the other game I've been playing this week is um, Trauma Center, New Blood. Um, so I used to play the Trauma Center games on DS. They're basically, you're a surgeon and you'd use the stylus and you'd cut people open oh, okay. and get in there and excise tumors and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, they had one on the Wii, which I never got to play, which obviously now I can, and great fun game. You use the, the Wii remote, basically. You select your tools down the side and then you, know, you slice and you mm-hmm. use the forceps to rip them open. And, and you violently fail missions <laughs> when, <it> gets, <laughs> when you get through the game and it gets really difficult and they're kind of super genetically created virus that's wiping out the universe is introduced and it you know it's cancer but no now it's morphed into syphilis and like it just <laughs> oh jesus that guy's having a <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> use the laser use the scalpel use the forceps use the force i just just do something like it's yeah it's it's a great fun game and yeah it's just again it's one of those things where backwards compatibility seems to be such uh, a major thing you know when mm. when microsoft did that thing at e3 last year where they announced that they were going to slowly roll out 360 compatibility and it's like but why 
why have you done it now? Why wasn't it built in system at launch? Nintendo yeah. has never had a problem with backwards compatibility. Sony's got the joke of a backwards compatibility that they're claiming. Oh, we're going to kind of release games slowly <laughs> and you can buy them online digitally <laughs> yeah. if you own them. It's not backwards compatible. No, it's not. It's, 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 it's continuously HD remaking everything <laughs> yeah. you've already made. Get some new IP yeah. that's not the order. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we should, uh, we should probably move on on that note um, to news. Um, I've only got one thing written down here as, as the news of sort of the last week, I guess, um, and that's the Oculus Rift price point came out, um, and from what I remember, it was about six hundred USD, and that translates to about a grandish, maybe nine hundred, maybe um, New Zealand dollars. So more, more than what anyone's going to pay. Absolutely, then for one peripheral, it's essentially it's a peripheral. Well, that's what I'm going to be buying it as PlayStation yeah, VR. It's a peripheral, much. right? It's yeah, not, it is. It's not the same thing. Oculus. Yeah, but you still can't, like, you know, you have to plug it into a PC, you have to plug it into something that doesn't have its own little processing box. I think the thing Um, that's that's kind of makes the Oculus price point seem even even worse is that, yeah, there are competitors that are not very far behind them. You know, we're probably going to see the Morpheus this year come out as well. Um, that's going to be priced at the same price point as, as the PS4 console itself. So when you're seeing that half the price that the Rift is going to be. Right. And that you already you have the PlayStation already. So you can then play everything on it. Whereas with the Oculus Rift, there are, yeah, everyone has a PC, but who has a powerful gaming rig that would actually be able to render games twice? Because effectively that's what it has to do. It has yeah. to render every frame twice yeah. for the Oculus Rift to be able to read it. And I mean, yeah, my new rig that I built could do that, but... How many thousands did I spend on that? Like, does the average gamer... I mean, I guess if you're a PC gamer, the answer is yes. But if you're not a hardcore PC gamer and you're a console gamer who's just looking into getting a good VR experience, are you really prepared to not only pay a grand for the headset to do it, but then at least two grand on a rig as well to be able to render the games to play it? Like, yeah. it's a hefty investment for technology that is probably going to be superseded quite quickly by something else. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because it could be a massive game changer and, and I'm starting to feel like it might be. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it will still be in its early, you know, its infancy. Yeah, I, feel, um, I almost feel like they've sort of put the price point quite high because they are sort of first out the gate. Yeah. Which, which I think yes. is a bit of... The corner of the market, essentially. Yeah, well, I mean, that seems to be their theory, but I think it's a mistake. You want, you know, especially when you've got competition on your heels, like you say... Um, you know, if, if PlayStation comes out later this, with this year with their product and it's half as much and just as good and you don't need to buy a $2,000 gaming rig, mm. who's going to go back and who's going to buy the, the Microsoft one? And yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they probably could have played it a bit better and, and sort of gone for a lower price and, and saturated the market earlier on. Mm knowing that there's these other ones coming up. And I mean, that feels the thing, like yeah. If I mean, they you know. made it if they priced it lower, you're right, they would have saturated the market with it to the extent that when the PlayStation came out no one would be looking at it. Because mm. I'll speak from experience as someone who used to be I mean still is a Sony fanboy. I love the PS4, I love the console, but when I got my, my gaming PC, I realised how far behind the hardware in the PS4 is and how much better, you know, an up to date current PC is so if they released the Oculus at a price point that you know everyone was prepared to pay everyone would buy an Oculus it would increase the chances of everyone you know then wanting to get a gaming PC that could play it then everyone would realize that PCs are the best 
platform if you don't care about the you know controls and couch mm-hmm. co-op and stuff mm-hmm. and they would potentially boost future sales of you know more developments that company made because everyone would now have the platform to play it off whereas mm-hmm. by launching it so high you're immediately pricing out anyone who doesn't already have the hardware and yeah the clock is ticking until a competitor releases something mm-hmm. for cheaper yeah, for people who already have the hardware to play it on yeah. so yeah it's so they've, mm-hmm. they've got so i'll just sort of remember which ones are coming out so we've got the oculus Got PlayStation VR. There's the uh, got, I believe I, Samsung's doing one. Samsung Gear VR, Gear VR, which which is already out, I think. Mm, that's um, a, is that for mobile gaming or something? Yeah, yeah. I, I had a I had a Wii Go with one um, for a, for a while, and it seems fine. It's the one where you clip your phone into the front of it. Yeah, and that's it's a weird um, one. I think that one works kind of well because it is for a totally different market. Yeah, yeah for gamers yeah. like I think it's more for. Didn't they release specific things for the Gear VR, especially like movies and stuff, where it's like you watch the movie. And the movie is kind of there on the screen, not there, because mm. the peripheral here is other people sitting at the theatre watching it with you. Mm, it's a bit odd. It is. Mm, I feel like I just watched the They also had, they did that, screen. and they did, I believe, music concerts, where you're there oh. standing in the oh, okay. and everyone, and yep. I think they did wrestling shows as well, where you've got people <laughs> heckling the wrestlers on either side of you. And I think stuff like that sounds really, really amusing, and, yeah. and I'd want to give one a go, not yeah. to the extent that I'd buy it, it you know, feels gimmicky though. It feels gimmicky, you know. It's kind of. But like I feel like that's what they need. Yeah. They know if they're only doing it for mobile stuff, they're never going to be competing with the companies doing it for real gaming. Mm. So they need to look at what they can do that the gaming peripherals aren't going to be looking at doing. Yeah. So at least they're getting creative with it, and they're being like, "Hey, we know no serious game is going to get ours, so let's just make something fun and quirky at a reasonable price point that people will enjoy." Yeah. yeah. So then what is it? What? How does that translate to people who use cell phones? You know, it doesn't do Yeah. <laughs> it's like I can't see the market for that. I just can't find it in my mind. No. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense it, to me. You'll get, yeah. you know, you'll get the old people who specifically want to see a concert, but are too old to go out and, and get amongst that, it so they buy a go gear and then they put it on their head and realize that their old nokia 3210 doesn't clip into it anyway i think that's the exact market they're going for is the people who um you know vr is is something completely bizarre and you've you know you never would have thought of this this concept and it's going to be you know um teenagers who have no real interest in gaming or anything like that mm. it's going to be old people it's going to be middle-aged people kind of thing um you know People who have no interest whatsoever in computers nor gaming, but they find this this thing that sort of makes it into this niche that is actually really interesting, and they can you know watch movies and they can feel up to date and, and they can watch their of, porn on the bus without people next to them giving them dirty looks. Yeah, mm. exactly. Touche. Yeah, <laughs> you get a good travel travel companion. You know, mm. sitting on an airline watching all the porn you want. Yeah. <laughs> Sorted. Um, I mean, they're not. They will still be giving you dirty looks because you got your hand down your pants. Because <laughs> you're sitting there with your headset on. So. Oh, they've also oh, the um, HTC Vive is the other one that's coming out, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is yeah, I, I know literally nothing about that. Um, so let's see what happens with that. And on that note, um, I just want to talk a little bit about um, PlayStation VR and with regards to No Man's Sky, which mm-hmm. I think at this point hasn't been officially confirmed. But at this point, I think we can. It's safe to say it will be a PlayStation. Safe to assume. Yeah, I feel like it'd be a pretty easy port to just basically put it on a PC. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, there there has been interviews with Sean Murray of Hello Games, um, in in which there's a PlayStation VR unit in the background of his office, and you can see it on these people's desks. So they're obviously making this game with PSVR in mind, and I think that's a really interesting and really smart way to do this game because it has you know overpromised 
essentially. Oh, 100%. I think if they don't innovate with the VR as a a core component, it's going to flop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. People are going to buy it and realise it's not even vaguely what was promised. Even with VR, people are pretty quickly going to be like, oh, well, now I feel like I'm actually there, but I'm still not doing anything. Mm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is a a fantastic concept, and I do appreciate that they're going for this whole vast, you know, huge, like, hardcore sci-fi, you know, Asimov and climbing and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, that doesn't translate. To, it's great in novels, and it's even great in movies. It doesn't particularly translate well to hundreds of hours yeah. in a game. So I, I played a board game on, on Friday night where I, I thought it funny that in the rule book on the first page it said, you know, we made it a board game because it's literally the one medium that could be used successfully to act out this sort of scenario and I disagree entirely it would have been fine as a game and it's been like a million successful TV shows already so it's just a dirty lie but I think with No Man's Sky that would be the case not with board gaming as a medium but I think there probably is a correct medium to tell in and I don't think gaming is is that medium like with what they're trying to achieve I just don't feel like an open world video game mm. is, is the best way to do it. That's why I think it's really smart if they are running with PlayStation VR as, as mm. one of their main marketing points because that is that is a game that will blow you away if you, yeah. if you put on that headset and if it does look like it does and you can do all that shit with that in VR, that's going to be that's going to be something be pretty that amazing. I, I think it's just going to be sort of a, a a kind of a, a nice kind of sort of first showing of what sort of procedural generated kind of games are going to be like and, yep. and I think yeah, even if there's no storyline or and if it's just kind of like play how you want to play which to me sounds boring yeah I don't, you know I'd go out and mine minerals and things and find random animals on a planet but like well, I could do that in real life yeah <laughs> I thought that's what you were going to say <laughs> yeah, to go out and mine minerals <laughs> yeah, take actually, my little pet start hitting rocks with yeah, it's actually boring as fuck but uh <laughs> I mean, yeah, just it's just going to be a good showcase for what that kind of game could be like. And yeah. I think maybe maybe down the track, a developer could take that idea and build in more traditional elements with storytelling and that kind of thing, and it yeah. could be really fucking sweet. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess it just sort of stands stands to sort of um, be seen. Yeah, yeah, and and it's a, you know I really do want to support them because I do like Hello Games and I do like Sean Murray. And, they're from a you know a small. They're from Guildford in England, like a pretty small town, and mm. there's only about I don't know twenty people in their dev team. So I really do want to support what they're doing, but I think they have been a, a bit more ambitious. I mean, the the only other game that they've made, as far as I can tell, is um, uh, Joe Danger, which was uh, essentially a trial bike Elastomania oh, yeah. type yeah. Um, game, and and you know collect coins and do stunts. And now they're going for like was that that was on. That was a DS or something. Yeah. Uh, some Nintendo platform, mm. yeah, yeah. I might have been Wii, um, mm. but yeah. And now they're going for like the most expansive open world game where you can literally visit yeah. trillions of planets and spend your entire life in this game and never visit every single planet. I think another mistake they've made is they've taken far too long to talk price, and now it's become general assumption that this is going to be a free PS Plus that, game. I heard that as well, well. and I think. That to expect a game that, as you've said, you know, develop only twenty devs, small studio, mm. for their one release in however many years to be free to the majority of people, and that's an unrealistic yeah, expectation. Yeah, yeah. But because they've taken so long to touch on price at all, that's the general assumption that the majority of people have made. Yep. and that's going to really bite them later when they announce that it's going to be, you know. 30 bucks or whatever everyone's going to be like what I thought this was free mm. I'm not giving you money for this <laughs> especially if you're now telling me that the best way to play it is on VR and I need to drop 400 bucks on a, yeah, on a yeah, yeah. as well 
get out of town. So. Well, that, that brings up another interesting question. Are you guys going to be v- early adopters VR? Uh, my wife's going to get one, yep. day one. I know that. So. Day one, nice. Yeah, she's been really looking into that. So. I can't see myself mm-hmm. getting it early on. If something comes out that really grasps me, I, I mean, to me, it always comes back to the games. If there's, if there's a good game that, that's going to inspire me to get it, like when I first bought my PS4, that was because The Witcher, the Witcher came out. Yep. I thought that's a game that I just have to have. Yeah. Um, if there's going to be good games that come out, maybe, but I can't see myself picking up one on day one just just because it's the new thing. Yeah. Um, I'd hate for it to turn into another like you know connect type situation. Right, where, right, right. Where it's just <laughs> where it's terrible. Yeah. So, yeah, not not so much myself. No. I'm, I'm torn at the moment because I I do really feel like this could be the start of something really interesting and really big and, and a game changing and I would like to be at the forefront of that but at the same time I've never been one to pick things up on day one yeah weeks months go by before I buy things so um I I mean I I'm one of the people who used an old flip phone until the iPhone five like I do not like to trust that technology yeah, yeah. will work until it's had several iterations that have all done the job kind yeah. of thing yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, with this one, I mean, the missus is going to pick one up, and I don't have to worry about it. If yep. it's good, yeah, I was an early adopter through through proxy. If it <laughs> if it if it's not, then no skin on my back, no money out of my wallet. Kind yeah, of thing like it, that. it's it's interesting as well because they're not you're not going to be able to watch reviews of people oh, playing these games and, and, and sort of get a, get an idea of of how good it is from that actual you know that visual experience. You're going to have to rely on people's uh, journalism. And you know the way they talk about things, the way they explain things, and the way they write articles. God, so Brazil. yeah, I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, that's that's gonna be. Or um, you know, if they want to do a video of it, the, the, the camera should be pointed at the person with the headset on, not showing the footage of what they're seeing. So it's just a dude in the room going, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thing in front of his head, like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting for sure, and. Because when I remember as a kid, I would think about you know they always did those gimmicky virtual reality kind of things in movies and that sort of thing. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, man, like if you've got this headset on, how do you walk around without bumping into things, <laughs> things like this? Yeah. Did you ever see that that early multi-directional treadmill, man? Yeah. 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 That early test for Skyrim where he had the Oculus Rift on and the treadmill, so <laughs> yeah. just walking on the spot, and it's like. <laughs> yeah. oh. Mental, mental, <laughs> and he had little gloves on, and he was pulling out his bow. And, yeah, oh, we're all Andy Circus. I'm still now. pretty sure that's all fake. Like, <laughs> they just bombs. showed some gameplay and then showed a dude on a treadmill, and they're just like, "Look what you can do!" And none of it was syncing up at all. It was all lies. <laughs> the <laughs> last, the last piece of VR I saw um, was a, a guy on a, on the same thing on a multi-directional treadmill in a game world in some in a backyard that looked like probably worse than PlayStation Two graphics, attempting to pick up a hamburger. And, and <laughs> failing miserably there's these like full you know models of hamburgers that the, you know the, the buns don't detach or anything like that yeah. it's just one one thing and he's trying to pick one up and his hand's going like this and it's like flailing around and so sort of like, like, looks you like see his arms him breaking in three in places in real life huh? pot- did you see him in real life playing it potentially that's what he was doing <laughs> yeah you could see him in real life and okay. no, no he was just trying to pick up this hamburger and his arm was like spazzing out and this was this was Oculus Rift so I was just like yeah, I'm not, not, not entirely sure about this technology. Yeah. technology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. It's it's one of those things as well where, as I was saying earlier with the whole cinema thing and watching a movie in a cinema with other fake pre-rendered people. Yeah. Um, looking side to side, you know, you see people next to you and you see your arms, but again, like in real life, that has no correlation to your arms right, in, in right. the VR. They're just firmly mounted on the seat, you know, on, on, on the thing on that side. And I think that the VR headset alone 
it's it's the first step and potentially the biggest step needed to breach the you know disconnect between gaming and, and reality not that I, I I made the argument when they first announced it where I said no thanks I like my games to be games and I like to know that I'm sitting on my couch with a controller playing my game I yeah. don't want to think I'm actually there because I might die somehow <laughs> you know like I don't ever <laughs> want to be in that state where I don't know if what I'm experiencing is real or a game right, right. Um, so I'm hoping they never get into you know full freaking immersion put your head in a pod and you're there kind of thing because I will never <laughs> you come out pod and it yeah. into your <laughs> yeah. final column and because I will yeah. never leave but um, yeah I, I think that the, peri- <laughs> the peripheral itself while a major leap is not enough of a leap to that immersion that people want you to get because mm-hmm. the rest of your body is still doing nothing you're still just on a mouse and keyboard or holding a controller it's just a closer monitor like why not just put your face up yeah. on your monitor yeah, it's yeah. not enough of a jump I think to actually be changing anything yet I think when they start releasing the accompanying peripherals like the gloves and the yeah. Full body suits sort of or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like until <laughs> we reach, maybe walking it on someone playing one of those games, like wearing a big or white bubbles all over it. Yeah, I think until we reach that playing point, dance, dance revolution. The immersion's not going to be too much more than yeah. it already is because yeah. you're still always going to have that disconnect of okay, in the game, you know, my dudes sprinting along and I'm diving for cover but I'm still just sitting in my chair with one hand on my keyboard and one on my mouse or, yep. or a controller in my hand like I'm still mm. it's it feels like a different way to view your content rather than a different way to play it still yep. at this point so that's why I, I don't think it's going to be bad by any means the release of these things I think it is going to push push this sort of stuff forwards mm-hmm. and, and this more creative way to play but I don't think this is the step that's going to really change much at all right it is going to be good for uh, a type of game and a type of section of game that I absolutely despise, which is on Triple rails. Oh. Um, on rails sections of, of gaming. I mean, that's that's what it's perfect for, right? It I is. Mean, yeah. Give me a version mm. of Pokemon, give me Pokemon Snap remade for the <laughs> for, for, for the Oculus or, or PS special VR. camera controller as well. Where you hold there it. There you go. Yeah, four hundred dollars just for the camera controller. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that that'll be just perfect. Much but one I mean, button. On- <laughs> there's there's only so much you can do with on rails, and I mean, I've seen that demo mm. of. Um, it's not. It's not hugely. It's not fully on rails. The Eve, uh, Valkyrie Chronicles, or whatever the mm. the one in space. I believe there's an Until Dawn one as well that's coming out. Yes, on there. It's a roller coaster yeah. Um, one. Yeah, Rush, Rush, Blood to the Head. I think it's a Coldplay album, but um, some, it's called something <laughs> like that. Um, but yeah, that, that's going to be interesting to, to keep an eye on that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I wanted to go over our most anticipated games of this year. Um, let's just stick with one. What's our most anticipated game of this year? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll put it over to you, Regan. What's your, what's your most anticipated? Most anticipated. Uh, of 2016. Yeah, of 2016. Um, I am sort of... Yeah, I think I'm looking forward to Horizon Zero Dawn. Yep. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of interested in the premise. Yeah, and the... Um, and what I've seen so far. I think that looks like it could be really, really cool. Yep. Um, there's, there's a good mix there. Um... Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of intrigued by the the potential for the story of that game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the the sort of post apocalyptic uh, sort of idea, but not in a Fallout kind of sense where everything's fucked. 
sort of well, it's gone the other way and it's you know nature's taken back over. Yeah. Um, but I really want to know what the fuck is up with those robots. Mm. Like, yeah, why, yeah. You know, I, I just actually really yeah, I just want to know how how that what how they're writing that in there. I hope that's not a letdown in terms of their story, but um, <coughs> and the game itself looks really fun um, based on the very short gameplay um, sort of segments we've seen. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that... that Horizon Zero Dawn? Yeah, I yeah. So. But mm. Before I played Killzone Shadowfall, I would have had no interest whatsoever. I thought it would have been generic bollocks. And um, But after playing that, I, I am quite excited for what they could do with the storytelling in Horizon Zero Dawn, because mm. Killzone Shadowfall was a incredibly underappreciated game. game. Yeah. That is a really good game. And I... I I, I was I was surprised because I got it as a, as pretty much the launch title for yep. PS4. I was like, I'm getting a PS4. This is the only game out. Please don't be a sack of crap. Like I didn't like the previous Killzone games. Yep. They were plotless, pointless shooters of no consequence that, for whatever reason, made a huge impact on FPS gaming on Sony. And I will never understand why. It was Sony's answer to Halo, essentially. Terrible <laughs> games. But yeah, Shadowfall was enjoyable, and it was because it wasn't just another generic soldier commando walking, guns blazing shooter. You mm. were a stealth operative who was supposed to be doing all these kind of black ops missions yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed Shadowfall as well. It had these mini open worlds as well. Each level wasn't mm. really that like a linear thing. Every everything was quite open, and you could choose where to go to an extent. I think um, everyone has that one, like who's played it, just has that one particular level in mind when you talk about, you know, the, the potential open world aspect of that stuff. And that was that one with the bloody multiple towers with the security systems you had to shut down or something before you could blow up some giant statue. It's quite early on in the game. It was like a green foresty level. I think and I we just, might be thinking of the same thing. Yeah, I yeah. just remember, like, I don't remember much of that game, but that level is the one that always stood out to me as the, wow, this game has depth for an FPS. Yeah, like yeah. And, and it's actually, like, pretty hard mm. that game it's, yeah. it's challenging it was enchanted for like I played it on normal I play everything on normal and I, I died multiple times mm. in that game mm. um, so yeah so that's yours Horizon Zero yeah. Dawn I'm locking it in yep should be good Belter. Um so mine hasn't been announced as a 2016 release but it also hasn't been announced as being late in 2016 I think mm-hmm. the assumption with the trailers ramping up recently is that it will be 2016 um, and that's Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, All right. I'm one of the people who has been fortunate enough to, prior to the releases, already have the platform that all the releases are disjointedly coming out on. Yeah. Um, so I have been able to play everything going through, and as much as I would never condone someone, I would never, ever recommend the series to someone who hasn't already played the games, because, yes, to get the full story, you have to own, like, six different freaking platforms, and it's just stupid. Yep. Um, they did release the majority of the games on PS3 in a collection that people could pick up. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's definitely... Its story is crazy to the point that you can't even begin to explain what might be happening. I'm pretty sure the last game had a lot of time travel elements where the villain collected himself from different eras in time and, like, made an army cool. out of different points of his life. And maybe... But I don't know. <laughs> like it's it's cool. It's cool anyway. The characters are cool. Um, hopefully, since episode seven was successful, people will stop hating on Disney so much. The Disney elements are cool. Um, the Square elements are cool. The original characters in it are the best part of it. Like Tetsuya Nomura has proven himself time and again since you know becoming creative director or what have you over at Square that he he delivers good stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I'm hoping it's this year because everything they've released for it looks like exactly what I at least want the conclusion yeah. to be, even if other people don't. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Kingdom Hearts fans are on the same page and Kingdom Hearts 3 does look like it's going to deliver. Yeah. 
Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm, I'm kind of being put on the spot here because I thought Regan was going to say Uncharted 4, so now no, I'm... I uh, left that space open for you, babe. Oh, uh, did you? I, I had a feeling well, that was going to be you. I um, I actually had another game planned. Well, I'll, I'll say Uncharted 4, obviously we're all looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the game that, that really came to mind for me um, is The Witness, which is that uh, mm. open world mm. puzzler by Jonathan Blow, who Three did Braid. too late, or whatever it like. Yeah. <laughs> It just, I absolutely adore puzzle games. It's probably my favourite genre if I think about it. And that game looks, you know, from the, the small amount that I know about it, it looks like insane. There's about 200 hours of gameplay, he said, or something. And there's like 90 puzzles or something. And I'm still not entirely sure what's going on because all the puzzles look to be these kind of join the dots type things. But he's, he's, he's such a mysterious dude that I know there's so much more going on there. And I think that's going to be sort of one mechanic connected to something else, and and the like. The art style was sort of sounds like he's had plenty of time to think about it. He's so. here, yeah. yeah he's, he's, it was supposed to be shortly after the launch of the PS4. Yeah, it was almost just a PlayStation title, yeah. Network title, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's it's called, it's almost cel shaded, but not quite. It's got a really interesting art style. It's um, kind of like um, uh, Ether One. No. Yeah, well, the, the PlayStation Plus game. Yeah, yeah, it is similar to that, except not a load of shit. Yeah, um, I mean the vi- visually, the visual yeah, aesthetic yeah, yeah, is yeah. similar to Ether One. The yeah. gameplay yeah. can't be. As no, as no, no, no. Was, yeah. So um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. It, it just there's a lot of sort of mystique around it, and, and I love puzzle puzzle games, and uh, you know I love I love games that give you those mini epiphany moments, and and mm. um, Braid just had that in droves, and I felt like my brain was melting at some points as well, and I I did have to use a walkthrough of it a couple of times throughout that game because. There is just some stuff I just, you know, there is some logic in there, but how you jump to those, get to those conclusions is, is pretty intense. Like, I'm, I'm not a mensa. Um, mm. I wouldn't be able to figure those things out on my own. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that game and seeing what comes of that because I, I believe he said it's coming out first half of um, this year. So it should be before. And June is all dedicated to VR, so it should be somewhere. Cute. I mean, that game in yeah. VR would be an interesting thing as well. Because I guess it's got a similar art style to No Man's Sky as well. It's it's yeah. in, in that sort of vein, um, so that could be could be interesting if it has VR support as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. On uh, another thing, I just wanted to talk about um, being released very soon. Crept up on me. Did not realize this. Far Cry Primal, um, which is coming out uh, <laughs> the end of February. Did you guys even know? Like yeah. I, I saw the Far Cry Primal stuff. Maybe it was E3. Maybe it was. Mm. PS6 or um, yeah, I saw it last Gamescom or, or something. Yeah, I don't remember, but I, I saw it and I was like, oh yeah, sweet, another Far Cry. It's being released next month, so I mean, I guess the thing for me about Far Cry really is that I I would never know when that game is going to come out cause just so I would never know when the next number release is coming out. Yeah. I can freely admit that while people may have enjoyed them, I have never touched Far Cry 3 or Far Cry 4 mm-hmm. um, or Blood Dragon or anything. I played Far Cry 2 and yep. I thought Far Cry 2 was cool, yep. um, but that one was totally different to the direction that 3 and 4 went in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 3 and 4 were both played by the missus, um, so I've, I've watched them through kind right. of thing, and I, I feel a lot of the time like games I watch right through that don't seem to have much substance, that I, I have no desire to then go and play them myself. Yep. Um, and those games were games that I feel like watching them, I got the same level of meh I would have if I played them so right, I, right. I would never even notice if anything Far Cry related was announced so yeah. I'm not surprised that I wasn't aware it was yeah. coming out yeah. I just can't see them breaking the mould with this at all eh? no. and it's just going to be it's going to be another Far Cry game but you carry a spear and yeah it's all melee combat yeah it's it, 
doesn't appeal. No, you know? no. Uh, Far Creed. Yeah, yeah. Far Creed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I don't know. I... I just think outside the box a little bit, and I guess that's what they've tried to do by by putting a different time and all that kind of stuff. But I, yeah, unless there's a whole lot more to that game that I haven't anticipated, mm. it just doesn't seem like there's not. It much definitely there. seems like it's still yeah, just mm. going to be killing guys, climbing towers to unlock more of the map, and continuing on and doing more and of the same. Doing yeah, it's, except with it, no gyrocopters, which was which were the best part of one. Yeah, Far Cry 4, yeah. I mean, Ubisoft do build really, really beautiful worlds. Um, mm. Far Cry 4, I, I did get gobsmacked when I started that game up and, and you know, got my first gyrocopter and cruised around. I was like, wow, this is actually, this looks yeah, incredible. It's a nice looking game. Really, really good. But everything within those games is just so, you know, run of the mill, do this, repeat, fetch quest, you know, whatever, mm. skin 10 bears and you can get a bear skin coat. Um, it's it's yeah. a lot of bear fur. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's I can't get excited about it at all. It'll come out. It'll get about a seven, and then we'll all move on with our lives. Exactly. I think. Um, yeah. It's pretty much what's going to happen. But um, not on the on the same in the same vein. Um, Ubisoft discussion. I would just like to talk about the division. Um, now I don't think this has a perma release date either. Um, but what I've heard, which was interesting recently, is that the division is actually. Um, a secret numbers game they refer to it as which is essentially borderlands um so you know you shoot someone and, and you get a certain amount of points come off and, and it's yeah. all about looting and things like that mm, yeah apparently that's what the division is going to be like now the marketing would lead you to believe otherwise mm-hmm. um it seems more like a what's tom clancy the division right so it seems yeah. like a, a rainbow sexy gritty going for the realism type thing um so uh, it seems like a change of pace, or, or have, have they have they obscured that from people intentionally? Or they just got really shitty marketing team. What's going on there? Yeah, I'm not too sure because there's so much. There's they've sort of tried to mash a, a, quite a few different ideas together in this game, mm. and, and perhaps that's the thing. Perhaps they just don't really know how they should be telling people about this game. It's, yeah. Um, you know, it's open world, but it's a first-person shooter, and it's uh, third, online yeah, co-op. Third-person third shooter, I think. Or third, yeah, sorry, yeah, third-person shooter, yep. Um, online co-op, it's, and, and it's kind of like, how, you know, and it's got RPG elements, mm. and it's doing all of these things, which could be awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not surprised it's kind of hard for them to figure out how they're going to market that. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not surprised with this thing, you know, where people now kind of getting the news that it's a, a numbers game and, and everything, because... I don't know if you guys recall when I told you about my experience with it um, up at the Auckland Mm -hmm. Armageddon last year and how Mm -hmm. they had that kind of preview build of it available. It felt very much like that. If you guys remember me telling you about kind of the guns and how they felt differently and how they didn't want to force you into a specific play style, but they did unintentionally through the mechanics that their guns had. Like, for example, how SMGs had a secret hidden range where if you were more than x away distance away from your target they've become wildly inaccurate just for no reason at all like your aiming and your ability to to do stuff didn't seem to hold much sway over the way the game played out it seemed to all be random numbers generating whether you hit how much damage you did and everything Mm -hmm. um and that was a complaint i had after trying it out at at that preview build so i'm not surprised that they've now announced that yeah actually it it is all about the hidden numbers and and stuff like that because that's very much what it felt like Mm -hmm. um and yeah, I can see why they would shy away from advertising it that way because it's not—it's not really a good model of game no, at all. No, like, I—it's the one thing I don't like about old-time RPGs that I'm glad even classic RPGs that are—you tr- know—modern RPGs that are trying to harken back to the classics are steering clear of. 
which is that element of when you level up your stats, it's not a direct boost to your damage or whatever. It's a modifier onto the invisible dice roll to see how much damage you did. Like that's how right, the right. timey RPGs when mm. they very much played to the pen and paper style. And I'm glad that modern day ones that even try to be like the old ones aren't really doing that because I just I don't think it has a place in, in video games. Like video games should be skill based where yep. you know your ability to play it affects how well you play it rather than cool so you can aim your gun and you can shoot it but a random roll of the dice will determine yeah. whether it hits and if it does hit it will mm. determine whether it's a glancing blow or a penetrating shot. I find that really frustrating yeah. you know it's, you know, if, if you're someone who prides yourself on skill and there are a lot of people like that with first person or even third person shooters you're going to get frustrated with that if mm. you you know if you headshotting people and it's not headshotting people you're going to get angry yeah lag you know there's yeah. going to be a cause of lag mm. uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I, did you guys ever play the PlayStation 2 game Freedom Fighters? Did you I remember that? Uh, no. Yeah, that, it, it, it sort of harks back to that um, similar similar thing in Freedom Fighters. You sort of, I'm not sure in Division if you command a team of people, if it's all online, I guess you don't. Um, but Freedom Fighters, you commanded a team of people, they all had different skills, and you went across New York City and, um, and you know, sort of took it back. Um, but yeah, it sort of reminded me of that, just a Ubisoft version. Um, mm. So, not, not particularly excited about that. Um, it's probably going to be another one that's going to fly by, but we'll see. Um, and uh, yeah, I, looks like someone's written down something here about DLC. Yeah, it was me. Yep. Um, I've been thinking about DLC recently and how almost every game has it. And now, to the extent that games release or prior to release, a pre-order bundle will include the season pass or something. So that the developer knows full well that they're not releasing all the content of the game, that they're going to release more over time. And so you want the season pass and you want to get it with it. So I guess I just want to get a general feel on opinions of, of DLC as a whole. Like, do we see it as, as something that we like in games? I mean, a lot of the time the argument will be made, you know, back in the day games were released complete and they were finished and you, you get what you paid for and that was it. And if you got more later on, cool. But that was never the deal. The deal was you pay for a complete game and you'd get the complete game. And I feel like because DLC is being used so much by shitty developers these days to be able to ship incomplete games and then finish them later for more money that people overlook when games are released complete and just have DLC as well. Yep. Uh, the Witcher 3 being a prime example. I mean, that game may have been incomplete. There may have been some features missing, but they added those with free DLC along with some extra stuff. And the season pass is for additional DLC that was never intended to be included in the game. Mm. To removing it, even if, if you were to add it, cool, the main game would have been exponentially larger. But by lifting it out, you don't make that core game any less complete. They are totally isolated, separate experiences. And The Witcher 3 is a game that I had no problem picking up Season Pass for. I mean, uh, Hearthstone was phenomenal. I'm sure Blood and Wine will be amazing as well. Yep. Um, and so I guess I just want to know, like, would you guys rather that, that DLC become less frequent? or Because or, another thing for me is I feel if a game comes out complete, like The Witcher 3... I did very much like what you did reading on the first playthrough where I just did the story. The only side stuff I did was collecting the bear armor, the you know, the mastercraft or the superior whatever the maximum tier of that was, because I thought it looked cool. Um, so I wanted that for my final confrontation. And I always intended to go back to it and delve into it more later. And DLC was what allowed that to happen. The addition of more content was then like, cool, now I've got something new to play as well. So now I'll go back into the game and I'll do that whole delving into it with New Game Plus that had released since then as well. Mm -hmm. Go through it again, do side quests, do the DLC. Whereas if that DLC hadn't dropped, I probably wouldn't have picked the game back up again yet because of the constant new releases coming mm -hmm. out. 
So I guess I, I just want to feel of how you guys feel about DLC. You know, what do you think that it does prolong the life of games, whether artificially or or genuinely, and whether you'd rather see games take longer to come out with all that content included from the go? Or yeah, I think it depends on what that initial game and the initial product is like. If it's a shit game and and they're fixing it with DLC, then that's just a shit game. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> just gonna say that <laughs> yeah. Destiny was shit Taking King made it playable <laughs> yeah yeah case in point that's, on the that's an example yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Taking King makes Destiny playable <laughs> yeah yeah um, if, if it's like that then then that's not cool then that's just they shouldn't be charging for that or anything like that they should it just should be a patch on the game and they should make the game better um, but I think if you've got a game that you really like it's almost doing a service to your to your um, you know your, your audience because you're giving them more content. Um, and like you say, if you've got a game like The Witcher where the game itself is, is absolutely whole and you'd be fine never to get Heart of Stone or anything like that and, and it'd still be great. Um, it's just giving people that opportunity to delve back in if they want to spend a bit more money. I, I, I like it. I think mm. it's a good thing. Um, it's a natural kind of progression now that we have consoles and things that can do it and, you know, speedy internet and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Mm. Well, sorry, my relationship with DLC, I was thinking about it just then. The last piece of DLC I probably bought, if I'm correct, was a map pack for Halo 3. <laughs> so, <laughs> which you bought yesterday. Which you bought I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was probably around 2009 or 10. Good, good job. So I, I don't know I've, how I don't know how you could do that. I thought about it. I thought about it sometimes. I thought about buying the Shadow of Mordor one because I, I remember you. Um, I got that. That's really yeah, good. That's good. Um, but I, I just don't. I just don't. I, I, I buy my full my full titles and then that's the end of that. Like Consumers, the only yeah. yeah the the only ones I would possibly consider would be The Witcher because I absolutely yeah. love CD Projekt and I love their ethos and and you know how they manage that sort of stuff and. You can tell it isn't tacked on. It's it's something that they've mm. had another team working on, mm. um, and they've you know they've lovingly, lovingly crafted it, and they haven't just just pried it out of the main game and been like, right, we're going to repackage yeah. this and sell it sell it back to you for more. It's, I guess along a similar vein to your thing though is, would you consider? Because I would to be purchasing DLC if you deliberately don't buy a game on release or short after release because you know there's a ton of DLC and you wait for the game of the year edition to be released and then pick that up with all the DLC bundled in because if you're specifically waiting for that version to come out mm -hmm. I, would, I would personally still consider that purchasing DLC because you didn't buy the game in complete you bought it with all the DLC right right I no I, I've, I've never had DLC in my mind at all when I'm buying a game um, game of the year or not mm -hmm. um, I've never never thought about it I, I actually I mean I did buy the Standalone Red Dead Redemption Undead Nightmare. Oh, that's yeah. fine. So I, I mean, if that counts as deal, I'm not sure if that counts. It's a it's a sort of that's a tough call to make. Yeah, because yeah. I think I think it was a totally separate. It was a standalone. It yeah. was a totally separate game, isolated that could be played without the original. So I yeah. don't think it's DLC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I think I stand by my my Halo Three map pack. But um, I, yeah, it's not something that ever really enters my mind to be honest. Um, DLC. I, I sort of I look forward to my my full installments and then yeah. after they're gone they're gone and, and, and that's the end of that mm -hmm. um, would that be changed if something would have happened say for example they would have released that removed or incomplete episode 12 or what have you from Phantom Pain 
Oh, um, if it was a franchise that you'd been invested in since you know youth, and and you really wanted mm. to see all of it and see it to completion, would that convince you to to, to say so? Them? So you're sort of posing if I they were like released a, that hidden Sahelanthropus yeah, yeah, yeah. fight chapter. Yeah, if, if they were to release that, that tomorrow, and I've already finished the Phantom Pain, like like yeah. now kind of thing, would I buy it? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I would. Yeah. Um, yes, I suppose that. So basically, it would have to be a big deal. For Huge buy, deal. Yeah, yeah. It has to add a lot, um, and I, I have to want to go back to that game world. And I, you know, I, I, I think I have a pretty short attention span nowadays when it comes to games. <laughs> um, and if something's not linear and it's not like you know, just I'm not just walking through it and able to knock it out in you know a ten to twenty hours, then I kind of I want to move on. Like linear walking in a straight line like now have you heard of Final Fantasy yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Final Fantasy 13 <laughs> um, but yeah no, that's, that's my relationship with DLC it's pretty much non-existent mm. good to know we've got, we've got a good coverage there I think because you're, you're not too you're I'm a season pass whore a yeah. <laughs> I buy the game and if the pass is already in the store before I've even played the game to know if it's good or not I've got the season pass yeah. I'm uh, I guess it's mild OCD I need yeah. to have it all I need yeah. to have the full complete thing yeah except if it's skins you know if they just are like you know oh my gosh here's a skin for your gun in single player that no (laughs) one else is going to see and what the fuck is the point for 10 bucks no no get out I guess on the on the the (laughs) other side of the coin (laughs) mine's mine's kind of OCD as well I don't like the idea of having a full game I imagine it like a book on a bookshelf right so I've got a a big big novel like a big you know Harry Potter or the Phoenix sized novel and it's sitting there and then I've got an, another smaller novel of 100, 200 pages sitting beside it that's actually part of that, of yeah. that one. Why but what if it? you've got your big order of the Phoenix novel, that's, you know, have many, yeah. and they're in the spine, when you close it, the back cover is on a slight angle because those 100 pages are meant to be added in once you've purchased them. <laughs> that's, that's a good analogy, actually. <laughs> I, have to, I have to reconsider my argument. Because <laughs> that's, what, yeah, that's what a lot of withheld DLC is. <laughs> it's the incomplete title being You're finished later. Totally ruining Abe's like, no, it's a beautiful, clear picture. <laughs> I secretly am part of EA's DLC. <laughs> Marketing <laughs> campaign. Yeah. yeah. And game purchases, everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just as a, as a last thing, um, we'll do our usual. Uh, you know what will now be our usual segment. Um, I've coined it weird shite or glitches we've noticed. Mm, weird Anything shite. Anything you guys um, have come across? Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a glitch. It could just be something of of notice. Something strange. Something yeah. yeah, something odd. Something um, you know, arcane beyond the pale. It's quite hard for me to think of this because the games I've been playing recently have been good mm-hmm. so they've been finished and they work and they do what they're meant to um, but have also as I said I played a bit of Battlefront and um, I noticed yesterday in fact yesterday evening I was on the map uh, the Sullis map yep and it was a walker assault and there's one of the bases I think it's on the second stage where it's one of the bases that you know it's got the entrance and you go in and I was on the rebel side so the activation points in there and there's a door behind the y-wing you know beacon that doesn't open but shadow troopers and only shadow troopers no other type of imperial force can clip through the door and shoot you through it (laughs) so there was a dude killing everyone who went to reactivate the beacon and no one could get him because the door was blocking shots that you tried to send through there 
yeah, that was... Uh, oh, didn't pick that, that one up in QA? <laughs> no, well, <laughs> it's so strange because, yeah, like I saw other people clearly on his team. I was mowing them down because they were trying to join him and they were running into the door <laughs> and there were scout troopers, there were regular troopers, helmet, no helmet. Um, I saw Boba Fett walk through there and he turned around and killed me as soon as I started shooting him in the back. But it was just this one, one shadow trooper who every now and again you'd see him pop out and go back in to kind of show his people how to get in, but no one else could get in, so it seems only shadow troopers can clip through that door. Um, Or that dude. Either shadow troopers or that one guy can clip through that door. My my thing's also in Battlefront, um, so I'll go now if you don't mind reading. Go for it. Um, it's, it's, It's not anything, it's not a glitch or anything like that, but just the the animation and the noise that Senator Palpatine makes is unbelievably strange <laughs> I don't I understand what's going who, who was in charge the, the team dedicated to the character and the assets of Senator Palpatine who decided it was he was going to do some sort of weird it's like a toned Forward down version of the neutral game um, you know the, the yeah, the, the <laughs> TIE Fighter screen. Yeah. But it's this man that's probably hundreds of years old and and he, and he does about, I don't know, five barrel rolls through the air. Whilst I love that move. Yeah, just this it's just the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. This crotchety old fucking, you know, dude who's, who's a walking skeleton, essentially, and he just moves like nothing else. And, and uh, as soon as some, someone did it, like I wasn't playing, I, I watched someone do it. And I was just like, hang on, what was, was that a, I thought it was like a, a glitch or, you know, something weird happened, some, some latency or something like that. Trick. Yeah, and then, and then he was like, no, you do this, and he press like left button or something, and he just, yeah, just did about like five cartwheels through the air. I was just like, what, this is traditional Star Wars, right? Like, I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> did that ever come up? I don't know. I don't know. Did, yeah. It's so, probably episode three, Palpatine, doing some weird <laughs> yes. Senate Yoda fight All, all I can imagine that, that would make it better is if, if overlaid on top of that weird scream and, and while you're cutting through the air, he went, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> this is a mini soundbite. Oh, you just hear image power! Yeah, you just, you just hear it, all, like, reverbing all over the back. <laughs> Everyone's Palpatine, and it's just all these, hot, like, soundbites. Mm. Yeah, that, that was... Insane. I, yeah, I'm still trying to comprehend why that was put on there. But excellent. I, I don't even know what purpose it serves, other than quickly getting you across the map. Like, other it doesn't than, seem to be an ability. That other than distracting be. everyone else around you because there's this fucking ninety yeah. million year old oh, dude flying through the air. My one is actually really tame compared to that, and it's just something I've noticed with The Witcher, and it's nothing, nothing too crazy. But it's um, it's to do with your horse, right? Because mm-hmm. you know you're in a big open world, you've got to have a horse to get about. Good old rope. Roach, yeah, we all know and love him. Um, but I'm thinking of, of games like, for example, uh, the games that have done horses really well, like Red Dead Redemption. Your horse was just kind of nearby, and he was always there, and he was your, you know, your best chum. I've just noticed with Roach, you can obviously you can whistle for him, and, and he spawns mm-hmm. Roach. Mm-hmm. Roach loves to be hanging out in the weirdest fucking places. <laughs> so you'll be you know, you'll be in the middle of a village or something, and you'll you'll call Roach, and he'll just be sort of off behind a building in their back sort of yard eating something out of their, their, their garden or he'll be you know up between three or four trees it's like why did they decide to just have him randomly generate anywhere <laughs> within your peripheral and he just it seems like every time you, you ask for roach to appear he's just fucking standing in the weirdest place <laughs> standing on a, on a little rock or standing just in the swamp or it can be anything but that's probably the one thing i've noticed recently it's just 
they didn't really I don't think they thought about it they were like yeah, he'll yeah, just, yeah. just randomly generate this somewhere and, and it'll work but he just yeah he gets if, himself into some yeah. strange if situations if you spam cool for him there's also a chance that two roaches will come and one of them will be in a more convenient place that you can <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I, kept, I kept clicking the button and he wasn't coming so I just kept calling over and over and then two roaches came and I was <laughs> like okay, yeah. okay and one of them followed me for a little while like I hopped on one and started riding the other one followed because he was still trying to have me get on him. Um, and then uh, I guess after like two minutes the game realised what happened and just got rid of it and just disappeared. But, uh, speaking of The Witcher and horses, did, did I tell you guys about my experience in the first couple of hours of playing The Witcher, what, what happened there? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm in White Orchard and, and you go into that pub and you know they're hassling the, the barkeep and, and stuff like that, if you guys remember that mm-hmm. section. And I went into the bar and sort of walked in a couple of steps and people started, you know, yelling at me and calling me a dick and all that sort of stuff, um, as they do with, you know, anywhere you go in The Witcher. And I turned around and there was three dudes sitting at a table, um, you know, a couple of dwarves, I think, and then one other guy. Sitting at that table also was a horse. Now, the horse was <laughs> positioned in a way where the back feet were on the ground, the front feet were on top of the table. So it looked like I was, like, trying to join in the conversation. And this is my first Witcher game, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge fantasy guy. I don't, don't really know what's oh, acceptable. I'm really sure it's the horse is meant to be. I, there I, I, I was completely baffled. I was like, "Is this?" <laughs> but the, the table that I was sitting at was right against the wall, so obviously the horse had somehow clipped through the wall and got in. But then it was just massive coincidence that it just happened to be in this in this pose that looked like it was joining in on the conversation yeah, kind of thing. It was great. I, I took a screenshot of it in my PlayStation. I'll send it to you guys. It's, I was just, just lost my shit when I saw that, um, and I, you know, I realised it wasn't meant to be there. Mm. And that table's pretty broken because that same table, not when you're talking about, I remember mm. that point mm. because I walked in, and I talked to those guys, and it was a hard crash and I had to reset my console. Oh wow! So I think that table is just broken. <laughs> it does things to the game. <laughs> all memory from the PlayStation Four was focused on yeah. that table. When you go in, it's all re- like super high resolution yeah, fucking table. Brilliant. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about it, I think, for this episode, guys. Um, unless anyone else has got anything they want to discuss. I think we're good. Briefly, yeah. but um, yeah, no, thank you very much for listening, and we'll probably be back um, maybe next week or, or just intermittently. Until um, then, uh, yeah, enjoy yourself, get some gaming in. Yeah. See you later. See ya.